often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 452. I am your host, yet again, Josh Albrecht, sitting down here inside the Slapbox Bunker. Still not sure on approximately how much longer I'll be in the bunker, but uh, I will probably making, be making an offer next week on a place. Looked at a condo yesterday, and uh, I had a lot of... A lot of room, plenty of room for me. Uh, it was pretty nice in there. They would redone the place, had uh, some uh, laminate flooring. I th- I think the flooring was new. I know they had redone some stuff in the kitchen, but uh, <laughs> there was some weird stuff like in the upstairs in the uh, bathroom. Uh, they had out on the outside. It was kind of weird. They had these cabinets that were just out of place. Like they almost like they had extra cabinets, and we're just I guess we'll put them there. I mean, it didn't look horrible or anything it was just a very odd that was the only thing i thought was odd there were some low ceilings in the the downstairs but the upstairs had like higher ceilings which not too crazy about the the low ceilings but man there's like no yard to take care of everything on the outside is figured with the hoa the homeowners association and everything it seems like a pretty good deal on that but again i want to be get kind of loud i want to get kind of loud i've been playing get back into playing guitars and stuff so i'm i'm I've got another house that's going. I can't look at it yet because it's not officially on the market until next Wednesday. So I'm going to look at it next Wednesday. But uh, if I don't make an offer on that house, I will probably make an offer on that condo. And if that condo is already gone, I was told at least they will be having another condo available soon that they're redoing. So I do have the potential of, if I don't get that condo, to get another one. And I do love the fact that condo, side note, also had a garage so I could put my car in there, stuff it in there. I'm just curious to how insulated those walls are. I want to know how much sound gets through there. There's, It's not like a like an apartment building sort of situation where there's, you know, uh, units above and below. It's just on the side to side. So at least that shouldn't be as bad sound-wise. I would imagine there's quite a bit of insulation in between each, between each unit. Um they're really nice, though. Really nice. That is definitely a potential one. I I just might put an offer on that. But, again, we'll see. Wait until Wednesday as uh, <clears throat> I look at that other house. And uh, I'm thinking, though, if I even if I put an offer on that house, it's probably going to go, like, ASAP. And I'll have a hard time getting that one, putting an offer on it that is going to get upset accepted because everybody's overpaying for houses in general and here in Washington they are way overpaying I just found out how much the house like two houses down from where I live went for it was on the market for 150 this is a rather small house um and it's sold for 150 and uh it went that actually uh that was listed at one hundred fifty thousand dollars and then it went for one seventy. Like there was that much of a fucking bidding war. So <laughs> I don't know that uh, I'll be able to put a big enough offer or that I you know, even if I do, I'm curious though, because I'm like a first time home buyer, whether the bank's gonna let me put that kind of an offer down because the house probably won't appraise that high, even if I were to put like an offer, which I don't have. I don't have the capital to put that kind of an offer on a house. This one I'm look going to look at Wednesday. I think is uh, on the market for one thirty eight, and uh, I've now I've gone ventured out a little bit further. I want to max out at one fifty. I don't want to go over that, and if it goes twenty grand over, which fuck I hope not, but uh. If that's the case, I'll just go for that condo. I don't. I know there's been people looking at the condo as well, but the, the condo's not as fast of a thing. Apparently, uh, well, the condo's being sold by the owner, whereas I guess the house is a bank-type deal, and the house, they want all the offers in by May 2nd. 
So you only have like what, four or five days, whatever the hell it is, from the 28th to the 2nd. And, uh, or maybe it's the first, but they're just reviewing the order, uh, offers on the second. So it's another bidding war situation. And I don't know that I'm going to fucking win that <laughs> after the last one. And the last house that I put an offer on, holy shit, it there's, I would, I wouldn't think that it would have appraised higher than, uh, the offer I put on it. It was at 124,500. And I bid hundred thirty five thousand and didn't get it, <laughs> but this that house needed a ton of fucking work. I mean, carpet in the bathroom. Come on, <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, that house had a lot of fucking potential. It it had some real character. I'm still kind of saddened by not getting that. Um, and sound wouldn't have been a problem. There was good distance between any other house and that one. Not like a massive yard, but enough to keep a good distance from all the neighbors. And uh and yeah, the other one I'm looking at, it's it's a smaller house. It's less than a 1000 square feet. Uh it's like 900 something and it's got two bedrooms, I think two bathrooms. And then there's uh I want to say there's uh Oh, here we go. Yeah, two bathrooms. 932 square feet. And uh, built in 1981, same year as my birth. Uh, there's a, uh, oh, damn it. It's telling me I have to sign in for this shit. <clears throat> there's a, uh, <laughs> you bastards. Anyway, I will close out of that browser. It is fucking my shit up as it is like blinking like crazy. I think it's trying to give me a seizure. Not 100% on that, but... Uh, I'll have to look at that fucker on my phone, pull up the stats, but yeah, there's two bathrooms. There's two bedrooms and two bathrooms, and then there's a a full basement, though, I do believe as well, and a fenced-in backyard. Not that I really give a shit about a fence, but uh, it says it's a large backyard. I hope it's not too bad. I drove past it. It looked like a decent house. Not much to it, but as long as there's enough room for me to, you know, have a nice studio. Uh, set up for the podcast and doing some live streaming. I want to really get into that, and I'm I'm hoping. I think, and I'm probably gonna end up trying to go for the condo. I really, I'm just really doubtful that I'll be able to get the house. I mean, if I really like the house, I'll go ahead and try to put an offer on it. But I re <laughs> really am not optimistic about that. Any house in Washington is just. It's just insane, the the market. And, uh, yeah, I don't know that I'll be able to afford any fucking house. Uh, however, the uh, the condo, though, I mean, shit, I mean, it is nice inside that thing. I'm looking at pictures of it right now. And it is, it's uh, three bedrooms, two baths. Uh, and uh, it looks like most of the stuff in there is new. I know the hot water heater said it was from, like, 2008 or something like that. So it's kind of old. But, I mean, cosmetically speaking, I shouldn't have to do anything to it. If I, like, were to do anything, it would just be trying to, like, uh, soundproof a room and everything and try to make it uh, good for a studio, maybe uh, playing some guitar. Uh, but uh, I'm hoping that I can see about when I get this loan for whatever I get that uh, <clears throat> I can give myself a little bit of room to uh be able to um get some furniture and uh perhaps uh <laughs> appliances. I know with the condo I'm I I don't remember if the realtor had said if Marcy had said that uh something about the fridge. She may have said something about it, but there wasn't a fridge in there. I know that they were s- still going to do some cleaning and stuff in there, but I mean the place looked pretty clean oh the only thing that uh the, and they were going to paint inside the closets now the closets did look like they needed some paint inside there it was all marked up from uh people putting shit in there but uh i would say that uh <clears throat> yeah hopefully i'd be able to get uh some kind of furniture get some kind of deal on that and appliances because i really don't have much of anything and the couch that i currently have is like really old and quite nasty so i would hope to uh <clears throat> yeah 
get get something there that would help me out. As uh, <laughs> it would be nice to have some fucking furniture. <laughs> It'd be real nice. Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, other than that, though, I mean, sh- uh, I did have quite the exciting Thursday as. Uh, I haven't talked about it a whole lot in a long time, but I used to be my big night of the month for me for going out was uh, third Thursday of every month. Because my run group does uh, a big group run, or at least they used to, pre-pandemic days. We'd meet up uh, downtown Washington, Missouri there at the old riverfront and then run five miles around town then proceed to go to the beer deck and then have a, a few few of the uh, alcoholic beverages as well as uh, a lot of food. And uh, I've been fully vaccinated. I had the Johnson & Johnson pre-blood clot information, which, you know, I'm not like a 35-year-old woman, so I don't have to worry about that anyway. But point is, they hadn't uh, pulled the vaccine from distribution. So I got that. This is one shot. So I'm fully vaccinated. I should probably wait another week because it's been only been a little over a week now, but before I'm officially like fully good to go or whatever. But, uh, you know, I'm starting to feel a little invincible. <laughs> As, uh, and uh, there was a decent amount of uh, people we had at the run group. I mean, it wasn't like over 50 people or anything. It was maybe 12 15 tops, but I think it was about 12 people we had. And that's, like, even before the pandemic, we – it was getting bad. You know, we were lucky to – if we we had 10, it was uh, – and we used to have, like, 30, sometimes, like, 40. I mean, the the groups were, like, big when we started doing those third Thursdays and just fun times. It was a social event more than it was really a run. We would uh, stop uh, every so often, regroup, because it's a, what we call a no-drop run. Where uh, so it doesn't matter what paces people are running, we're still gonna meet up. We're gonna you know encourage people to keep going and just it's but more about the social aspect of it. And Thursday, man, it was it was almost like old. I mean, it was it was like old times. It was uh, we didn't have like quite all the OGs. Not all everybody was out there, but uh, I saw some people I hadn't seen in years. Uh, Jerry, a uh, uh, guy I used to run with. Whew, like man, I haven't seen Jerry in like four or five years. It's been a while. He like moved to Texas and stuff, and he's back in town. And uh, there was <clears throat> it was crazy just seeing. Uh, uh, he was the one that I hadn't seen in the longest. But uh, it's some of those people. I guess maybe I, I guess I hadn't really seen since before the pandemic. Like uh, like Ron, I don't think I'd seen him since pre-pandemic. And but. Uh, <clears throat> It's crazy because you hit, when you go that long without seeing somebody, like, oh shit, they've they've aged, and I know I've aged. <laughs> I feel like the pandemic days aged us all a lot, uh, but it was great. Like it felt like the old times. We we decided to go to the beer deck, and I got, uh, I ended up having two hard ciders, and then a fuck ton of food. So I had uh, Bosco sticks, which I dreamt of Bosco sticks. I haven't had those fuckers since since uh, February. No, it was even before February because it was just the last time the beer deck. Because they don't always have the beer deck open when it's, like, cold. They'll have the rumpus room, which is in, actually inside the tap room, which is the building next to it. The beer deck's all outside. When And the Bosco sticks are only on the beer deck. So, I don't know. When, it may have been 2019 the last time I had Bosco sticks. It's been a long fucking time. Right, the Bosco sticks, which are one of the most amazing inventions, creations, that has ever transpired in the human existence of humans, if you ask me. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, you take a breadstick and then put cheese in it, throw some marinara in there. It's fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. <laughs> and uh, uh, I had that, and uh, I, I don't fuck around when I go to the beer deck after a third Thursday group run. Like I'm, I am hardcore serious about this shit. No fucking around whatsoever. I got the uh, Bosco sticks just for an appetizer, you know. Then I had ordered 
a large Bella pizza, which is a thin crust pizza. It's got uh, chicken, artichoke, spinach, and tomatoes on there. Good stuff if you ever hit the beer deck. Um, and uh, which I believe is fun fact. I believe the tap room and the beer deck, I believe Chili works there now. But um, I digress once again. So I had that. I had the full large pizza. No, I didn't share my pizza with anybody. And I uh, shared, uh, I had had, I don't know, probably cl- at least two to three pieces of my friend Rich's pizza. And uh, he had the meat lovers, which was really hitting the spot. I think I might switch it up because I always want the Bella. I may go with uh, the meat lovers next time. But uh, I had like two or three, maybe even half that pizza. Uh, I had a lot. <laughs> and I, I pay the price the next day. That's for sure. But the food was just so good. I haven't eaten that much food in one in sitting in quite a while. It it was a little rough. And they uh, they close early now because you know there's no reason for them to stay open, and the whole you know COVID thing and such. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was good times though, man. It was fun just like being around people again and like hanging out in that kind of atmosphere. And uh, I think everybody I ran with at least had like their first shot of the vaccination with the two shot. I don't know that anybody else had the Johnson and Johnson. But uh, we're are, are starting to feel like, oh yeah, we gotta we gotta do this. We gotta get out, and uh, we had, we had a nice crew, man. It was good times. Uh, we, <laughs> I was talking with my friend Greg while we were running about uh, he's uh, like interested in like cryptocurrencies that sort of thing. As I, I went a little bit of a dive that one week into it, and uh, he was talking about the GameStop stock <laughs> and stuff, and. Uh, and possibly getting some some of that and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's probably going to come back, though. But, uh, but he did mention, like, movie theaters. I'm like, man, that might be a good, safe bet right now. I feel like, you know, with people going back out, getting vaccinated, feeling like uh, they should, you know, get out and back into the world, movie theaters might just see an uptick and some fucking profit for, you know, uh, once in a, a long, long fucking time. Maybe that would be a good investment. I haven't put any money in it, but you know, uh, <clears throat> it 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 might work out. <laughs> then again, I thought too. We were saying like you know maybe, maybe even post pandemic after everything dies down and uh, COVID's no worry whatsoever, people have already gotten used to just watching all movies at home. I don't know if movie theaters are ever going to recover from this. It's uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I hope so. I fucking love the movie theater. I really, really hope to see that happen. And I know a lot of uh, music venues are struggling because they were not able to be open at all. And uh, a lot of them have just gone under. And it's, that's just fucking sucks. I mean, I love music. And uh, it's hard enough for musicians to make money anyway. Unless they're just, you know, number one on the fucking radio or you know, Spotify, whatever, what have you. Uh, they're just not many ways for uh, <clears throat> musicians to make money, especially, like, in bands where you have to, like, play instruments live sort of situation. And uh, that's how, you know, you hone your chops and uh, get your shit out there, get get known a little bit, go out and do some live shows, you know. But uh, I did watch some good uh, documentaries, I don't think I talked about I I remember if I uh watched it last time, but I know I watched the uh, I think I may have watched yeah, talked about it the This is a robbery. I think I talked about it on the last podcast, but since then I've watched Tread on Netflix. And if you have not seen Tread, <laughs> uh you should definitely check that one out, especially if you like true crime stuff. Uh it is just fantastic. I may have heard about this guy years ago, but uh I hadn't uh <clears throat> guess I had forgotten about it. This t- the documentary takes place around a big incident that happened in 2004. And uh <clears throat> it is about hold on. 
believe the guy's name is Marv uh, Mar uh, Marvin Hemeyer. Marv Hemeyer is what uh, is the fella's name. And apparently he was originally from, I guess, South Dakota. And he uh, moved to Granby, Colorado. And he had uh, been uh, into welding and stuff. And when he moved to Colorado, he had bought some land at an auction as uh, he was trying to open a muffler shop. He had achieved buying this this land. And uh, it's interesting, the documentary takes place with... uh, or well, uh, they have recordings of Marv, as he must have recorded it before he lost his completely lost his mind and did uh, the crazy shit. But he, you hear these tapes throughout the documentary, so you hear his own words. You hear him describe these situations that led up to the uh, chaos, and uh, <clears throat> he, you know, at first you only get his viewpoint on things, and he talks about buying this land in Colorado and bitching about. Uh, all the uh, the locals, because there's this big like family, the Thompson family, if I remember correctly, uh, that uh, really own most of the shit in town. Like they own this big uh, concrete co- concrete company. Uh, one of them was the mayor, and uh, there was, uh, I guess, all the people that ran the show there. I mean, they were all knew each other forever. They all lived there forever, their whole lives. And he claimed that they were all against him, and that uh, one fellow uh, actually was pissed that uh, Marv outbid him for the land, and claims that he uh, verbally assaulted him after the fact. And uh, which I can understand being pissed, you know. That house, had I seen the investor that outbid me, I might have had some words for him. Uh, <laughs> I was a little salty after that. I don't know. I probably would have just put it, pushed it inwards. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so like he he opens he does get the land. He opens the muffler shop, and uh, at one point, uh, some of the land around there was also like somehow the government, I guess, determined they were going to sell that section of land off. I don't remember what the details were on that. But he, again, as Marv took it, he was getting screwed over there and went to the concrete company. I thought it happened before the zoning issue, but they demanded that he had to hook up his shop to the city sewage. And uh, they were going to charge him something like 60 grand or something like that. And he, he thought that was ludicrous. I don't know what... <laughs> I know plumbing's expensive. Um, apparently, it was a good long distance. They had to run pipe and shit. I don't know if that was, you know, and this is 2004. I don't know what the prices were on that, to be fair. Whether or not he got screwed over. But uh, it, he felt like he was getting pushed out. And uh, uh, eventually, he ended up... Uh, <clears throat> he decided to not... From what I understand, they kind of talk about it in documentary. I don't know. I guess I was doing multiple things while the documentary was going on, half-ass watching it, up until the craziness, the chaos. That's when I was like, "This is exciting." But uh, from what I understand, he decided he was going to run the plumbing himself, and then that's why he had rented. Uh, I didn't see that in the documentary. Them saying that that's why he got the uh, bull- bulldozer, but he had gotten this bulldozer uh i've read in other places that said he did that because he was going to run the sewer line and everything himself but he got this obscenely large (laughs) uh let's see if i can find uh stuff on that the uh, bulldozer he had gotten it is uh see here i want to see what the it's a not not that there's probably a whole lot of people that know bulldozers out there uh, it was a Komatsu D355A. Um, but, uh, man, it doesn't say what kind of, uh, what's, what the size of that thing was, but thing was fucking huge. And he, he had bought this and then, uh, he auctioned off and in the documentary, of course you, you hear him 
talking about everything. And uh, he went to go auction all that stuff off, and then nobody bid on the bulldozer because he had already, at that point, like sold his business off and uh, made a lot of money off of it. In the documentary, like he said, again, like he was getting fucked over by all of it. Initially, he was gonna sell it for like a hundred grand or something, but then you talk to the they talk to the other people, and you can see like public records of like how much the shit was sold for. But he ended up getting like four hundred grand or something out of uh, selling the business and such. But uh, <clears throat> nobody bought the uh, bulldozer, <laughs> so he still had the bulldozer. Um, so in his tapes, he's like, "So that meant that was God telling me I still had to continue on with my plan," <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> people had also said too uh before he went on to his plan that uh he was really like he was really good at his job at the muffler shop people said he did great work but it was he was uh very rarely like at work he had very strange hours it was really hard to get a hold of him get your vehicle in there to get worked on so uh but uh <laughs> it's funny like a lot of people in the documentary thought for the most part he was a good guy Apparently he was just a little on the crazy side of shit and thought everybody else was out to get him. Actually, he had uh, he had uh, had the f- pastime of he used to run snowmobiles. I mean, they're in Colorado. He had a lot of friends, and that was the most of the people that talked to uh, talked to that were friends of his were would ride snowmobiles with him. And he had actually uh, constructed bumpers for the snowmobiles with uh, pipes for like mufflers, and uh, they said they would just like run over trees and shit with these uh, bumpers. On there, I think they call them the Marv bumpers or some shit like that. But uh, anyway, so finally he's stewing on this for fucking ever, and his plan ends up leading to him to take this bulldozer and uh, <laughs> turns it into what uh, that uh, he didn't name it this, but uh, an author, local author, I guess it eventually Nick coined the term, but they ended up coining it the killdozer. Uh, but he took this fucking bulldozer. And uh, modified it into uh, what he referred to on tapes as the MK tank. Um, but he took uh, armor plating. Uh, well, actually, he he spent like a year and a half building this fucking thing. Like, uh, and I guess, I believe he had already sold the shop and everything, but I guess they had let him stay there, like, working and shit. And uh, he brags about, on these tapes, about, like, I can't believe, you know, they didn't catch me with this. He would only work on it when the because there was the concrete plant like right outside and I guess that's who had bought him out but he would wait till they were gone and stuff and then work throughout the night and everything he had a place set up to sleep in there and uh, he had built this large fucking lift to be able to move all this armor and stuff to put on the the bulldozer And he had a few times where people went in there and he gave him some bullshit story of what the hell was like behind this tarp and all this other shit, what it was in there for. And, you know, who would think that you're building an armored fucking bulldozer <laughs> to destroy a bunch of shit? So uh, nobody thought anything malicious was going on. Uh, <laughs> so... He took that as another sign, like, oh, I got to go through with this plan, crazy fucking plan I've got. So he continued on building this fucking thing. And what they believe happened was, uh, well, that he had to actually take that lift and lower all the armor on at the end because he had it completely sealed off. Uh, there was no way for him to get out. Um, and the, they, he had taken, uh, let's see here if I can find... Uh, well, hell, I'll just read the uh, bit on uh, Wikipedia here on it. See, He Meyer's bulldozer was a modified Komatsu D355A, which he referred to as the MK tank in audio recordings, fitted with makeshift armor plating covering the cabin engine and parts of the tracks. In places, this armor was over one foot thick, consisting of 5,000 psi quickrete concrete. Fucking shit, man. Uh, one foot. It had concrete sandwiched between sheets of tool steel acquired from an automotive dealer in Denver to make ad hoc composite armor. 
So it was uh, on the outside. You had the steel with like concrete in the middle, um, and this made the machinery impervious to small arms fire and resistance to explosives. Three external explosions and more than 200 rounds of ammunition fired at the bulldozer had no effect on it. Um, for visibility, the bulldozer was fitted with several video cameras linked to two monitors mounted on the vehicle's dashboard. The cameras were protected by outside, or protected on the outside by three-inch shields of clear bulletproof Lexan. Compressed air nozzles were fitted to blow dust away from the video cameras. Onboard fans and an air conditioner were used to keep Hemeyer cool while driving. He had made three gun ports fitted for a 50 caliber rifle, a 308 semi-automatic rifle, and a 22 LR rifle. Uh, all fitted with a one-half inch thick steel plate. And uh, Hemeyer apparently had no intention of leaving the cabin once he entered it. Authorities initially speculated that he may have used a homemade crane found in the garage to lower the armor hole over the dozer and himself. Once he tipped that lid shut, he knew he wasn't getting out, uh, Daly said. Investigators searched the garage where they believed that Hemeyer built the vehicle and found cement and armor steel. It's interesting to observe that I was never caught, Hemeyer wrote. This was part of a project over a one-and-a-half-year time period. Uh, he was surprised that several men who had visited the shed led the, uh, shed late that previous year had not noticed the modified bulldozer, especially with the 2,000-pound lift fully exposed. Somehow their vision was clouded. <laughs> um, I mean, you look at pictures of it, just like Google search killdozer. And that thing, I mean, it looks like an old fucking tank. It's just fucking ridiculous. It is something else. Uh, but uh, in the documentary, too, they intersplice, of course, actual footage of the event. What happened when eventually, you know, when he, he completed the killdozer, he had a list of all the people he was going to fucking destroy. And uh, he had uh, taken... Uh, all right, hell, I'll just fucking read the uh, what they say about the demolition here. On June 4th of 2004, uh, Hemeyer drove his armored bulldozer through the wall of his former business, the concrete plant, the town hall, the office of the local newspaper that editorialized against him, uh, which, side note, too, he bitched about them saying shit about him, but uh, they gave him a free $200 ad. Like, they didn't charge him for the ad after he complained that how they... Uh, wrote about him in there <laughs> but anyway he also destroyed the home of a former mayor which the mayor's widow the mayor was already deceased but his widow uh, then resided and she apparently barely got out of the fucking house uh, and also a hardware store owned by another man Hemeyer named in a lawsuit as well as a few others Hemeyer had leased his business to a trash company and sold the property several months before the rampage Oh, it was a trash company he sold it to. I thought maybe it was the concrete place. But, uh... <clears throat> yeah, apparently, the library as well. There was fucking children inside that library went to, when he went to go destroy it. And they apparently had to do a reverse 911 call to, like, evacuate people. It was, uh, like a two and a half... Yeah, here we go. It says, the attack lasted for two hours and seven minutes. Damaging 13 buildings, knocking out natural gas service to the town hall and the concrete plant, damaging a truck, and destroying part of a utility service center. Despite the great damaged property, no one besides Hemeyer was killed in the event by a self-inflicted gunshot wound. However, however the uh, modified bulldozer came to be known as Killdozer after the name of a short story by Theodore Sturgeon. Damage was estimated at $7 million, according to Grand County Commissioner James Newberry. Uh, emergency dispatchers used the reverse 911 emergency system to notify many residents and property owners of the rampage going on the town. Uh, and a lot of people have said that he was a hero because he didn't actually hurt people. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, it says here, defenders of Hemeyer's contended that he made a point of not hurting anybody during his bulldozer rampage. Ian Daughtery, a bakery owner, said Hemeyer went out of his way not to harm anyone. Others offered different views. The sheriff's department argued the fact that no one was injured was not due to good intent as much as to good luck. Hemeyer had installed two rifles and firing ports on the inside of the dozer uh, and fired 15 bullets from his uh, rifle at power transformers and propane tanks. 
Had these tanks ruptured and exploded, anyone within one half mile of the explosion could have been endangered. Sheriff's Department said 12 police officers and residents of a senior citizen's complex were within such a range. Hemeyer fired many bullets from uh, his semi-automatic rifle at Cody Doshef uh, when Doshef uh, tried to stop the assault on his concrete plant by using a wheel tractor scraper, uh, <coughs> which was pushed aside by Hemeyer's bulldozer. Later, Hemeyer fired on two state patrol officers before they had uh, fired at him. Sheriff's Department also noted that 11 of the 13 buildings he mired bulldozed were occupied until moments before the destruction. The town library, for example, a children's program was in progress when the incident began. Then uh, one officer actually dropped a flashbang grenade down the bulldozer's exhaust pipe with no apparent effect. Local and state patrol, including a SWAT team, walked behind and beside the bulldozer, occasionally firing. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Whoa. I totally lost my place there. Uh, <laughs> um, occasionally firing, but the armored bulldozer was impervious to their shots. Attempts to disable the bulldozer's cameras with gunfire failed. So the bullets were unable to penetrate to three-inch thick bulletproof plastic. Then at one point, uh, under Sheriff Glenn Trainer climbed atop of the bulldozer, rode it like a bronc buster, trying to figure out a way to get a bullet inside the dragon. However, he was forced to jump off to avoid being hit with debris. At this point, local authorities and the Colorado State Patrol feared they were running out of options in terms of firepower and that Hemeyer would soon turn against civilians in Granby. Governor Bill Owens allegedly considered authorizing the National Guard to use either an Apache attack helicopter equipped with a Hellfire missile or a two-man fire team equipped with a Javelin anti-tank missile to destroy the dozer. Uh, this was quickly deemed unnecessary when Hemeyer became trapped in the basement of a Gamble's hardware store as late of 2011. Governor Owen's staff still vehemently denied considering such a course of action, but since the members of the uh, state patrol revealed that to the contrary, the governor did consider authorizing an attack, but ultimately decided against it due to the potential for collateral damage of a missile strike in the heart of Granby, being significantly higher than what Hemeyer could have caused with his dozer. The old uh, bulldozer. Um, two problems arose as Hemeyer destroyed the Gamble's hardware store. The radiator of the bulldozer had been damaged, and the engine was leaking various fluids, and the Gamble's had a small basement. Uh, the bulldozer's engine failed, and Hemeyer dropped one of the tread into the basement but could not get out. About a minute later, one of the SWAT team members said, uh, uh, team members who had swarmed around the machine reported hearing a single gunshot from inside the sealed cab. It was later determined that Hemeyer had shot himself in the head with a three fifty seven uh, caliber handgun. Police first used explosives in an attempt to remove the steel plates, but after the third explosion failed, they cut through them with an uh, oxycetylene uh, cutting torch. If I said that right, I don't know. Uh, Grand County Emergency Management Director Jim Hollihan stated the authorities were able to access and remove Hemeyer's body at 2 a.m. on June 5th. And then they destroyed the fucking bulldozer because they didn't want, apparently, any uh, people to get take souvenirs of the thing. They dispersed all the scrap to different scrap yards, and uh, they didn't want anybody to, uh, you know, eulogize this guy in any way. And to make him, a, you know, I don't know, a killdozer statue or anything. But it, if you go on the internet, a lot of people just say, like, oh, he's a hero because the government was fucking him over and stuff. But, you know... If you watch the documentary, it's very interesting in hearing everybody else's take. And uh, a lot of people on there, at least, you know, uh, say that shit didn't go down the way he said it did. As uh, <laughs> It sounds like he was just a bit on the crazy side. But, I mean, man, it, it is impressive, all the shit he went through. And you watch the actual footage of him destroying that fucking town. I mean, he is just destroying everything in his path it is just fucking insane uh how much damage he did and again it, they said uh and there on the wikipedia it said seven million dollars worth of damage and i've seen somewhere of estimates between six to like almost nine million dollars of damage no one's like a hundred percent sure what the total cost of it was uh <clears throat> see here i'll pull up some uh See if I can get the actual uh, <coughs> footage of it. See it uh, 
It does look like an old World War One tank if you watch the footage. They've got some of it on YouTube. Um, but uh, they ha- it seems like they have better quality video inside that documentary that you can watch. Um, it is Jesus. You just look at this other uh, machinery they tried to hit it with to. Uh, <laughs> Stop it, and it does, like, fucking nothing. Um, <clears throat> damn it. There's, uh, there's before and after photos in this uh, picture I find here. But, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it, it was just unstoppable. And you watch, I think there, I don't know if there's actual footage of the police, like, shooting it and everything. But they're, obviously, they're not going to fucking penetrate that armor. But the documentary does a good job of, uh, mixing together reenactments of what happened with the actual footage of the uh, killdozer in action. And it's crazy seeing how quickly he destroys these fucking buildings. And he's just plowing right through those things. I mean, they were... It is... uh, It looked... The aftermath pictures are ridiculous. It looks like some bombs went off. I mean, he was not fucking around. Trying to see if I can find the actual. Not actually showing the uh, <coughs> footage in this of the. Uh, there we go. There's some of it. That's when uh, I'm seeing now the uh, shots when the radiator blew and there's all kinds of smoke coming out of the fucking thing. I've also read the t- people are said that Granby actually kind of made out in the process because it, it was there was a lot of things that he destroyed that were old and in disrepair whenever uh, <clears throat> he destroyed it. And because of his rampage and everything, they were able to uh, build a lot of new buildings if through, like, insurance policies and such. Um, <clears throat> I don't think the guy was a hero. <laughs> I think it's pretty impressive what, like, he did with the thing, though, and they couldn't stop him, but it wouldn't, like, promote anybody uh, doing this, that's for sure. Um here we go. The actual footage of the rampage. Shitty quality. I mean, it's from 2004. Pe- unfortunately, you know, people didn't have cell phones in their pockets then to be able to record things. But there were there's some footage of that thing taking down buildings. It's pretty insane. They say, like in the documentary, what saved him from destroying the propane tanks at the gas plant is the fact that his just bad design with his armor that he was he was using incendiary rounds, which if it would have hit one of those tanks, man, big explosion would have ignited that fucking shit, no problem. But he had ar- the armor plates were in his way, and he was ended up just shooting his fucking armor plates. So that that saved some lives, most likely. That had to be. On the uh, other side, though, that had to be a one fun day to just, like, destroy stuff. To run through whatever building and just fucking destroy it. But I feel like maybe it's not quite as satisfying if you're just watching it on a, a shitty TV that you have mounted in there. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely one way to go down in history, I guess. Not necessarily in a positive way. <laughs> Man, he's just, like, backing it up. Going forward, just the shit is going through these buildings like a knife through a hot knife through butter. It's uh, <laughs> it's insane. Like they, it's back, push through, backs up, hits it again. Fucking, what if they have footage of the cops jumping on it, trying to throw the flashbangs in it and stuff. I mean, that had to really fucking suck for the people trying to stop it and knowing that their livelihoods were being destroyed, their businesses, and fuck the one uh, family's mom's house he fucking destroyed. Like, they were talking, which initially, when you just heard his viewpoint in the beginning, and they show pictures of the guys, they're like, oh, they do kind of look kind of douchey. But then when they find the Thompson brothers that I'm referring to, that uh, I believe they're the ones that own the concrete plant, 
but then they go to talk to him. It's like, oh, I really kind of like these guys. <laughs> and they were like, uh, most of the people in the town wanted that fucking bulldozer destroyed because uh, they didn't want anybody uh, looking at him like a hero and making some kind of uh, <coughs> tourist attraction about it. But they were like, man, I think we should have fucking kept the damn thing. Like, people would have, that would have made a lot of money for the town. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Marv may have had a problem with it, but I feel totally fine with these guys. They seem like good dudes after uh, <laughs> listening to them talk for a while. I don't know, maybe they've murdered children, but uh, obviously I'm not going to... Seeing the guy that destroyed everyone's personal property, i got to say I'm going to probably lean more towards the people that didn't do that uh, as far as uh, probably being good people, you know? <laughs> uh, things pretty fucking fast, too, considering how big that thing is. I bet it's at least probably going like 35, 40. All that fucking weight and shit. It's fucking insane. It is just a straight up fucking tank. It's crazy that like there's quite a few people walking on the outside of this thing. Maybe it's just like cops. And then I guess people just trying to document what's going on. And trying to evacuate people before he fucking destroys these buildings and stuff. But to be able to just I have all these people here and do nothing like uh in the documentary they show that early on the doe chef uh, guy like uh, uh they when they were trying to take it out they'd come uh with a steel rod and tried to jam it inside the treads on that thing to disable like get it stuck in there and stable disable it and nothing nothing he hit it with a fucking tractor of some sort too uh and uh had no fucking luck uh, <clears throat> Jesus, man! Just keep looking at this footage. This is a like uh, it says full version. I guess is the <clears throat> all the footage that was recorded at least that day. But it's only like fifteen minutes long, almost sixteen. But he went on, he went on doing this shit for like two and a half or two hours and seven minutes, whatever it was. Like that's <clears throat> that's fucking insane. These were big buildings he was destroying, too. At least some of them. Fucking. <laughs> I, uh, that's just got to be so crazy to just watch somebody destroy your business, your livelihood. Just fucking take it completely out. <laughs> it takes a while, though, you know, for some of this shit. And you're just completely helpless to it. And you know this this motherfucker's in there and just do 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 <laughs> fucking madness. I definitely suggest watching that documentary though. It's good stuff. Uh, highly entertaining. And uh, but apparently they've built Granby up quite nicely now. As uh, I have uh, as, as so I've read. I I've never been to Granby, Colorado, so I I wouldn't know. Um, but uh. But yeah, so they uh, released another episode of uh, Falcon and the the Winter Soldier, and uh, it, it was pretty good. I liked the last episode, really how it went, and it continued on with that. Whereas the last episode, spoiler alert, the new Captain America, he murdered somebody in front of a lot of people, and uh, l- now in this latest episode, he uh, he lost the title of. Uh, Captain America and of course uh the Falcon Sam he uh he took the shield from him. Well Bucky and Sam took the shield from him. And it looks like uh Sam might just be uh ready to don the title of Captain America as uh he uh was working around with the shield and stuff. So it's uh, it's getting interesting. And I do love the fact, another spoiler alert, that Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in there. Is uh, It would appear to be quite a large character. Maybe she's also the power broker that they've been, uh, this uh, secretive uh, crime boss that they've been talking about. Or at least maybe she's involved with that. Apparently she's got, her character's got quite the uh, history to it in the comics. And so that it's uh it's good stuff. Unfortunately, there's only one other episode. I was thinking maybe there'd be more. I wasn't sure, but I looked it up. I guess today or yesterday, and there's only six episodes. So 
Only one more left of that season. Uh, Fear the Dead's also uh, Fear the Walking Dead had a had a good episode that last one they put out uh, Sunday. That uh, <clears throat> had a, a nice end. It had kind of a feel to me like uh, in the Walking Dead where they had the "Don't Look at the Flowers" episode. If you're a, you're a fan of the uh, Walking Dead, where uh, Carol <laughs> found out that the little girl was a, a murderer like a serial killer type shit. And then uh, Carol told her to look at the flowers. And she went on to uh, blow the little girl's brains out <laughs> as she looked at the flowers. But that didn't happen. I mean, there was a, a young girl that was uh, that had killed people in the episode. Spoiler alert. And uh, so far, nobody killed that little girl. So she's like maybe a teenager now, though. So she's... She Maybe a little bit older than the uh, Look at the Flowers girl. Um, but it's got it's it's good. I like it when they push it. Like Fear the Walking Dead, I feel like the last few seasons, they've been getting a, lo- a lot better. Like starting out, it was like, I don't know, especially the first season, I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. Not a, not a, not a huge fan, but then they really, I don't know if they just like got the better writers, what it was, but things just seem like they, they've uh, done a lot better. After they like put Morgan on and killed off a lot of the uh, original characters, they really uh, turned it up. Also, uh, another one I'm waiting for is man. I want that uh, last season of Better Call Saul. As uh, I think we still have a little bit of time yet on that. Um, it's premiering early of next year, I guess. So that uh, <clears throat> we got a little bit. Damn it! Um, love that show though. That is good stuff. That final episode of the last season was fantastic, fan fucking tastic. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I'm seeing. Why do they already have this? For whatever reason, they already have information about season six like posted on IMDB but it's oh I guess they have no, I thought they actually had titles of each episode it's gonna be 13 episodes we know that uh <clears throat> man I gotta go back and watch that that last fucking episode of that that shit was was dope I actually went went back and watched when episode four of the Falcon Winter Soldier came out, I watched that a couple of times. I feel like I could watch that Negan, the last episode of The Walking Dead, the finale with Negan. I could watch that one a few more times too. I've also been doing the deep dive since uh, since then on on some Marvel stuff, doing Captain America once again, the OG Captain America movie. Not the well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> the first one with Chris Evans. I didn't go back and watch the 70s Captain America, which uh, Shelly might still have. I'd given it to him years ago for like a birthday or Christmas present or something like that. It was a fucking classic. Classically bad. Uh, Fantastic. It was around the same time, though. It was the awesomeness. I love this, but uh, uh, the Bill Bixby uh, as David Banner. And, uh, you know, the Incredible Hawk I'm referring to series with uh, Lou Ferrigno painted all green as the Incredible Hawk. And I fucking love that. I think it's just because, you know, I saw it when I was a kid. As I, If I would have seen that as an adult, I don't know that I would have gotten into it so much as uh, just a big dude painted green, grr, you know, just making grumble noise and stuff, not actually talking. I fucking love that shit when I was a kid. Really, like, just the... There was something about the intro to that show. The music. And, uh... Oh, man, I gotta... I gotta pull up that fucking music now. Um... But, uh... (laughs) Him sitting in that chair, getting the gamma radiation, and all that stuff. I wish I could do the, uh... Sounds in my... my, With my... My mouth... But uh, having a hard time, like, really translating it from a brain to uh, (laughs) 
And my laptop's being a little bit of a bitch as I try to find the uh, theme music for that, but uh, for some reason I'm getting shit, shit hey, uh, connection or something. This is a, my shitty laptop, though. I'm using my my proper proper stuff here. Oh, I have it. Uh, I have it potted down. That could be a problem. Um. Uh, yeah, this thing is. Uh, let's see, Incredible Hulk. Here we go. Here we go. This this better not be the uh, movie. Here we go. Oh, I love this stuff so much. It's going to be a commercial first, motherfuckers. I miss YouTube Premium so much. There we go. There's that piano. <laughs> I wish you... Damn it. I wish you would have... I want the actual... Let's see if I can find the uh, intro. See intro 1982. We'll go with that. <laughs> oh, there's a cartoon. Oh, here we go. This is good. Oh, the danger. There we go. That's what I was really looking for. That music. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist. It's very uh, Halloween a way to theme. Tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation interacts with his unique body chemistry. Startling metamorphosis occurs. So good. The creature is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. So good. I could watch that again. There was a couple of years ago, I guess several years back now, I uh, actually watched a lot of it on Netflix. Like I would watch it a little bit before going to work each day just to get uh, a little bit of this and that entertainment before I went to work that day. Made it through quite a few, but apparently, if I remember correctly, there's a lot of fucking Incredible Hulk episodes, and I think they're all about it, <laughs> close to an hour apiece. So that's a lot of watching, a lot of watching. But it's, I want to know that it held. It's still entertaining. I mean, effects wise and stuff, yeah, it's pretty shitty. Seeing that it's just a guy in a fucking painted green. Literally, they painted uh, Ufrigno green. That's that's how they they got that shit. Um. But yeah, so uh, here hopefully in the next couple of months, I'm still hoping that I should be able to procure a place. I'm thinking maybe that condo is the uh, the safe bet for me, safer bet. Again, I don't see my odds being really good to be able to <laughs> put a good bid on something right now is considering how slim numbers there are of houses and whatnot in my price range available in this area. So any one that pops up, people are paying way too much for. As, uh, but hopefully hopefully it'll be soon. and I'll be able to get a nice little uh, podcast set up going on. Because I'd like to get a nice like table and a little set up. And I still thought about maybe renting out you know, if I get a nice little studio set up to rent out the studio stuff for other for people to do their own podcast, though I'm afraid that's going to be more of a pain in the ass and hassle than it is for like a you know a way to, for me to make profit. But you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm definitely going to have like some sort of studio set up for the uh, podcast, and at least be able to uh, have a permanent studio set up to where. Uh, can have guests over and such and uh, I think that'll be uh, you know it'll be good, be nice 
never had that in my own place. You know, at Muffin Man's, we had a, a semi-permanent like, uh, thing. Like, there was definitely a different rooms and stuff and stuff. But we would still end up, like, moving it from time to time. But I, I don't know. I always felt weird, like, putting my own shit in there. Although he had a lot of my stuff for a long time. But actually, like, building, like, a room. I should have probably just done that. Like, help build some stuff. But, uh, I don't know. I have my own place. Hopefully, I feel like I should build more stuff in there. I'm hope I'm hoping to somehow get in alone stuff to be able to get uh again like furniture and stuff. And I want to be able to like uh e- maybe even if I don't end up in a condo, if I end up in a house, still I'm probably going to soundproof some stuff so at least get some sound panels up. And that'll be good for the uh, audio for the podcast as well. So you don't have it all the sound like you're in a can sort of situation. Especially if I'm going to run like four or five microphones. I can't have a bunch of shit uh, fucking that up. So it'd be nice to to set that all up out of the gate. I don't, I'd hate to, I feel like I'd get discouraged easy and just kind of give up on a lot of stuff if I'm not able to afford it out of the gate, out of the gate there. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, it sh- we should, should be seeing, uh, a studio soon at, at uh, again don't know what time that's going to be but uh, hopefully within the next couple of months other than that I've really got nothing else to report on um, as always that's a kid in a wheelchair not a trash can